Welcome back, everyone. So, um, as I said before the break, um, we're, we're doing our end of season review, and it's it, we've got to look back on Nuno. I think we've. Uh, we, I'm skeptical we might cover old ground, so we will kind of do this sort of relatively briefly. Pardon me. Um, in, in terms of Nuno, but there are sort of three things I, I kind of wanted to. Uh, cover I guess or sort of two actually mainly which was the change in formations and the style of play itself just seemed to change this season and it seemed that it was just very poorly planned but also he seemed to change um, personality wise as well and seemed to really drop off for one reason or another as well but so Gully we'll start with formation style I've had a long held belief and I think I've been fairly vocal about this that after we sold Jossa and he said in that um, press conference afterwards that we've sold him because we're moving system um, to a more progressive style um, that that was the biggest failure of his tenure because it put a complete pedestal on it Um, he didn't need to say it and he obviously didn't have time to implement it either and I think that was very much the beginning of the end for me with his tenure. Um, but he switched formations in terms of a back three and a back four a lot this season. That seemed to be a bit of his undoing as well. Yeah, in in the same way he kind of put it on a pedestal, I think you could also suggest that he almost had a ready-made excuse if things didn't quite go to plan mm. um, as well. So, you know, we we were it was spoken about as a transitional season and, you know, looking at, developing things um the, the fact of the matter is i think nuno in his heart of hearts is risk averse anyway so he struggled to let go of the reins enough um to allow the players to flourish but he also did it enough to make sure that you know we suffered as a result defensively and you know when we had such a watertight um well drilled unit it's it's like a house of cards, isn't it? You know, it doesn't take much to make it topple, and um, it certainly toppled on a few occasions this season. So um, it goes to show how important I think shape and tactics is, um, because these players have got it drilled into them day in day out, and to then try and ask them to to play in a slightly different way, just they clearly weren't used to it. Um, so it didn't really go to plan at all. No, it, it, it seemed to say sort of uh, the house very much started to crumble despite having really strong foundations and that that I, I guess the foundations were built on that defensive structure Andy and sort of the tweaks and the change and not ever having you know a consistent not even back four just consistent centre half pairing you know was it Bolly and Cody was it Sace and Cody was it you know whoever we just didn't really ever seem to have much consistency even in terms of sort of player lineups that again Nuno's built his philosophy on that consistency yeah if you think back to our first season in the Premier League like didn't we hold the record for the most consistent same lineup was it like 11 matches in a row where we didn't make a change and like we barely went 11 minutes without changing something this season it was it was just he didn't have a clue what he was doing did he let's be completely blunt about this if the rumours are true from someone on a different podcast who said that we went to the back four without any training, he literally just told him on the day, yeah, you're playing back four tonight. Like that is so un like 
for someone who we've grown to know us having everything planned to like the most meticulous level to not even train with the back four and then throw his players into a back four just seems astounding. I, I genuinely don't know where that idea came from and why you persisted with it. And then we went through several games where it was back four one week, back five the next week, then back to a back four. If the players don't have that consistency in formation, they're never going to get used to playing that way. So they're, they're never going to feel comfortable enough. And of course, the other issue is there, you're trying to change the way you play with the exact same players. So you do need an injection of new life. And whether that's through Nuno or through the board, we don't quite know what happened there. But that was another massive issue that just wasn't resolved that summer. Yeah, I think it's, um, you know, uh, sort of Goody said, sort of he's getting excuses early. I, I just think it was bonkers considering the upheaval last year and the, the time frames to sort of go, to sort of do those tweaks. And then it clearly have not, tra- you know, the communication between board and managers wasn't there for it. In my opinion, you know, we'll come on to a board in a second. So, um, my question for you, Kim, was Nuno sort of set his stall out of being like almost quite a philosophical, really well spoken, elegant, um, uh, you know, speaker about the game and, and almost life in general, I guess. Um, and I don't know whether it was the fact we were consuming it more because we get to watch post match press conferences directly afterwards or the fact he'd been here four years. But I, it seemed like he was just saying the same thing over and over again, which hell I do, you know, people hear my voice on this over, you know, week in, week out. So, you know, I understand how boring it is. Um, but he seemed to have just lost that bit of personality as well. Um, you could almost, you know, see especially his, sort of. You could see it in his body language, couldn't you, as well, towards the end. Mm. I think what people do forget, though, is that he, I think he had been quite repetitive shall we say even for the whole time that he'd been in charge but because we've almost exceeded expectations all the time you almost just brush over it because to be fair you don't really care as long as we've won the match you don't care what he says do you but then when you start losing every game you want to hear how he's going to put it right and towards the end his body language and what he was saying almost he was just met it felt like he was mentally drained and did that sort of then rub off on the players and we can go on all about it all night there was loads of facts I think that you know were impacted our season at the start changing formation with little training was obviously a key factor which didn't give us a good start but then without going into the old crowd thing, that was another big factor because obviously the crowd really pushed on on the team um, at home and injuries as well is probably the key factor, I think, chopping and changing the team. So, yeah, it's one of those. And and now I'm looking back and think it probably is the right decision, even though I'm still not over it. But I do need to get over it because, you know, and I will be once the season starts. But, yeah, I think it was the right time potentially in in the end. I've kind of come to the conclusion. I can't believe I've actually said that out loud. I haven't said that out loud to anyone yet. 
there we go. That's very, that's a very big emotional step for you, Kim. We, we are, we are <laughs> all really space for you here, yeah. Kim. Don't worry. No. <laughs> and, it, and you know what? I, I was going to say. I think you mentioned something earlier about changing your mind. And you know what? It's okay to believe it or not. We don't. We don't have. We don't have to stubbornly hold on to beliefs. I've had to let go of sort of my love for Dendonka, but um, I, I guess a group of people who haven't had a lot of love this season and that's a, that's how you do a link by the way everyone um it nice. is for is the board uh, i probably ruined it by talking over my own well, link, I, right? when when you said the board then i thought oh you mean the fans don't you mean the fans don't you rich <laughs> yeah um yeah i think jeff she to be honest um seems to have taken on a lot of the flag especially recently um but for me, there's a couple of different areas that they seem to have really dropped the ball on. We, we, we've, I guess we've already talked about recruitment and it not necessarily working this season. And Nuno isn't hugely in charge of it, but we haven't necessarily replaced players to a degree or we've invested in the future when we might have needed just to spend that extra bit of money to invest in players for now. Um one of the big sticking points for me has been the silence from a communication point of view. Uh, for large amounts of this season. I think, you know, people have felt it from um, season tickets. Um, you know, uh, how I, I tried to put myself up to not get renewed for next season. And I was told that, oh, you can't do it yet. Uh, and just that, that there's been lots of little things on that front, but on injuries as well. It took a long time for certain injury news and updates to come out. And I think that's not done an awful lot in terms of building up PR with the club. I mean, uh, Andy, am I just annoyed because I didn't like a response I got to an email from the club? Or do you think that, <laughs> that the, the, the comms isn't quite right at the club at the moment? Has the club ever been overly chatty with the fans throughout the Fosun run? And I had a little bit of period of time when we won the championship but they've never been that forthcoming. And maybe it's just because we've had a shitter of a season on top of everything else we've had to deal with personally as well as the football. Are we just feeling it a bit more because we've been locked inside and we just want that bit of information, do you think? Oh, definitely. Uh, a thousand percent. We, we are in like the 24-hour news cycle and the fact that we don't know when Willy Bolly's going to return... But th- they never told us that before, did they? No. So are I we looking for stuff that was never there anyway, maybe? I f- I feel that, let's say, under Jacket and even McCarthy, the club were a bit more straightforward in terms of, let's say, regular updates on injuries. And, all right, it, it's a really small one, but I don't know. I sort of feel that it seems to have just gone a bit quiet on that front. Am I the only one who sort of feels that? I was about to say, yeah, exactly that. Do you think that's because though Nuno never wanted to reveal anything to do with mm. sort of players in the yeah. So before every so every press conference on a Friday before the game, every other manager in the Premier League almost gives an update on where they are, who's gonna be out. Every single press conference, all Nuno would says would say is we have some issues. He would mm. never come out and say he was injured and then someone would be injured who everyone's like, what on earth's happened there? Because you just find out on the day of the game. Well, yeah, I think and- that's 
have to do with Nuno. So it'll be interesting to see with Large if it if it changes and we do find out stuff. It, it even became the fan cast um, had to take up the reins on revealing uh, injury news, didn't we? So um... <laughs> and look, if we're becoming the beacon for you know breaking football <laughs> news with emojis then I, f- I feel football's lost its way um yeah the the, the, the last part i was going to talk about is fan engagement so but there's three sort of main things and actually me, me and andy have both sat on a fan engagement workshop with the club the last couple of years and there are people within the club who are keen to engage with fans and get and get that feedback you know whether they you know whether they like the feedback or not and vice versa whether we like their decisions or not they you know certain people do front up about it but you know there have been some good things this year in terms of um let's say like the banners um at a we had the initial ones you know we've had the the Jimenez ones but you know there's been a ticket fiasco would we go as far as saying and how i guess sort of relatively not well handled that was and also uh, we've done um youtube show as well on in terms of the ask wolf series as well and i think it was interesting seeing that because i've talked about how we've not had much from the club but they had produced what three hours worth of content um discussing things even if we don't like the answers they have still fronted up about it. and i thought it was a really interesting series in regards to that because we almost just got a you know a dump of information um, and, and a level of insight which, uh, again, I've spent I've spent three years not getting that sort of thing from them. Mm. Um, you can't imagine. The, sorry, I Kim. Think it, sorry, I think that was at least a positive mm. that mm. you heard from a lot of fans that they were getting disgruntled, disgruntled because we hadn't heard anything. So I think that was a direct response to say, right, here you go. And they've sort of literally covered everything that you could think of with, with questions and and I think it was quite a surprise that some of the questions that got asked were almost answered, actually. Um, so you've got to give them credit for that, even if it yeah. wasn't what people wanted to hear. At least they'd come out and give three hours worth of answers. I can't imagine, and I don't know, so I'm, but I'm presuming none of the other Premier League owners would even dream of, of doing that. So you have to give them some credit, I think. No, oh, I, I I genuinely hope that next season they do something like that on a more consistent basis. And you know, like I, I think I've talked like owners doing more town halls. Uh, again, a, a bit of an American term, but actually having these open discussions. And you know what? It doesn't have to be in a room full of fans because, again, we, we talk enough nonsense as it mm. is. And but actually, if they're able to oh, answer questions honestly, and whether I like the answer that season tickets are going to need to increase because we need revenue to increase if you want to see you know new players it, it, I, I admire the front of it um, I must say and I think it would be an interesting to see if that sort of that comm strategy kind of uh, continues going forward G- Gully would you like to see sort of more of those if on a more consistent basis yeah, I mean, we have discussed this in detail and uh, already, um, which is available on on YouTube for you guys to to have a look at. But I, I I think for a start, we always have to take the stance that they don't need to do this. You know, there really is no need. You know, and I hate to say this because you know we are emotionally attached, and you know this is our football club and whatnot and stuff. But to use a bit of an analogy, you know. 
I have a Ford Fiesta sat on the drive. Ford, I don't want Ford communicating with me, you know, every other day about what's going on at the company and stuff because you know, that, that's essentially what I am to them. You know, I'm a customer. You know, as much as my Ford Fiesta does a job for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, so, Cully, don't you work in comms for an automotive company? I absolutely do. I do. <laughs> um, point being, point being, we don't engage with our customers, you know, on a daily basis. We just don't because it's it's not, you know, I'm not I'm not going to sit there and explain to our customers as a comms professional why the CEO has decided to make a, a stance on, on, you know, we're going EV by two, 2025. You know, that's just, you know, something that you announce at the time. And then you leave it. It's, it's just the way things are because it's a football club. We're also emotionally attached. You know, it all has to be, you know, well, why, why don't I know about my season ticket price at this moment in time? And I think, the the point the other point to make is we all work we all we're, we're all professionals and you know exactly how much time you spent deliberating over anything at work how many meetings you have how many discussions before it actually becomes anything concrete whatsoever three hours of content that the the walls um, management have put together times that by one hundred and that's probably how much time they've spent talking about one of those issues that have been brought brought up yeah but people want to think of it as like a little whimsical decision that decided, ah, yeah, we just need to put the prices up, guys. That's it. You know, they've probably absolutely poured over every bit of information they can to then come to that decision. And I think we need to understand that, you know, for a start, it's their jobs and they are still reporting to a higher power at the, at the, at the end of the day. And they have to consider every single factor that comes, you know, into running a football club. And if we want to see, you know, our team fighting in the top six every single season, we're going to have to make a couple of sacrifices as a result. So, you know, that's just the, how, how things are going to have to be for us now, Wolves fans. Yeah, I, I think so. I think you've knocked the nail on the head, to be honest, Gully. Um, Shall we talk about the new man in charge now? Because, you know... The good stuff, the, the nice stuff. The, the fun stuff, you know, we, we, we've, we've, we've had a look back on what was a crap campaign um no no it's a bit harsh inconsistent because we you know we finished where we no no we were crap rich it was crap. okay i was gonna say in fact it is boring worse than being bad um and we had probably... not to be in a relegation battle yeah true mm. um so <laughs> where, where, where we go inconsistent crap or or whatever it well, it, it it didn't have the same magic as the last couple of campaigns had but Hopefully, next year we're in a brave new era under Bruno Large. Um, and I'm excited, guys. Um, I, I think that, I think that's sort of the, the, the general consensus, really, isn't it? That there's a sort of a, a swell of optimism. I mean, Andy, he, he's not necessarily the most experienced manager, but his CV, pardon me, as it is, it's pretty good, you know. He's got a league title under his belt from Benfica. They were high scoring in that uh, campaign. It dropped off towards the end. Don't get me wrong, but he's also got a background in terms of youth football as well, and and sort of bringing through young players and developing them as well. So it ticks a lot of boxes in terms of what the club are looking for. I think absolutely twenty years coaching experience. Like he's a student of the game. Obviously, he hasn't just been a successful player and then become a manager, which is a route that a lot of, you know, current managers have taken. He's actually got in there from the ground and worked his way up. So he knows 
as much as he possibly can. Like, obviously, it's a risk. Any new manager is a risk. Keeping Nuno would have been a risk, you know. So I'm quite happy with where we are. And to your point a minute ago about saying that you're excited, I've got to admit, like, when the season ended, knowing that we were going to be doing this podcast, no point of me pushed us to get this recorded sooner because I wasn't that enthralled about talking about Wolves. I just thought, oh, I just kind of want to break from all the shit. But then as soon as this gets announced, I'm like, yep, let's get the season started. Come on. I'm really looking forward to it now. And I love a good transfer window. So I'm even looking forward to the transfer window just to see the comings and goings. So, yeah, I'm I'm very pleased with... I would have quite... I think I would have liked to have had a proper interview process and seen all the names, links and everything, but we didn't get it. So I can't be too... Can't moan too much about it. We got what we got, and I'm I'm optimistic about what's to come next season. I like the idea when you say an interview process that you're going to have the likes of Large, um, Fonseca, other managers who I cannot remember the names of who we were linked with. Eddie Howe are just sort of sitting, you know, in the waiting room at Molyneux, <laughs> as yeah. a, you know, with, with you know, with their CVs in like a poly pocket, being like. So, uh, how's it going? Yeah. I reckon if we'd have had an interview process, Luke Thompson would have submitted his football manager stats <laughs> just to try and get an interview. Uh, so how's, how's the journey in, guys? Yeah. <laughs> oh, did, did you park around the corner as well? Or, uh, yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I was trying to work out if I... I feel like I'm, I'm the one who's derailing these podcasts um, at the moment, which, considering I know what the recording time is, apologies. Um, but my one interview anecdote is that uh, me and my wife both once interviewed for the same job on the same day um, she got the job of course um, oh yeah that's, that's nothing to say with her at all is there? yeah no so to be fair I think in, in hindsight it um you know it was probably the right decision by, is by that, is that how you organization. met <laughs> no no that would have been a great that would have been a great <laughs> story but no literally I, I remember when we both got the um like the email pop through we're both looking for full-time jobs at the time and a message being i've got an interview I, i'm not going to mention the um the organization and she's like oh, i've got one too i was like and you're like okay i was like yeah the interview's on like a week on wednesday she was on mine too i was like where is it <laughs> yeah it's uh um wolverhampton i was like yeah we went for the same job uh both got in the top three and she was top one but uh anyway um enough about me and my uh low employment skills <laughs> um so large I, I think kim do you see him i guess using the foundations that nuno set up in terms of you know players or even systems or do you think he's going to kind of completely tear it up and I guess almost start again. Yeah, I feel like it's going to be a completely different style. Now, I'm just, I am going to just whip some stats out now. So, 38 wins in 48 games, 131 goals scored with only 39 conceded, and a win rate of 79%. Now, it's in the Portuguese league, but you know, when he took over, Benfica were fourth. And those stats, you cannot complain, really, can you? Mm-hmm. I don't think we should get too overexcited because, you know, it's completely different league. It's 
completely different players. You know, the Premier League is a hard league and to play that style, we know we've got to get a better calibre of players. We've got to add to the squad. But I am really optimistic. I'm just worried I'm almost going the opposite now. So I was really, really pessimistic at the end of the season. And now I'm just like... <laughs> This is it. We're making Europe again, but we need to just. <laughs> you know what, though? I'm sorry to jump in. Yeah. The thing is, with with the, like the Portuguese league, imagine the pressure on a manager going to Benfica. Mm. Like, if you go to Benfica, you've got to win the league. The pressure there is going to be more than, you know, trying to get Wolves back into the top half and looking forward. So he's proven that he can handle pressure as well. But that is such a great attribute to having a manager. Yeah, I think um, as Kim says, so he took over when the fourth and like fourth is horrendous for Benfica. It, yeah, you know, they may it, as well have been bottom, hadn't they? You know, that's yeah, how much you it know, means. If they are not in that top two, even that's disappointing. You know, it's uh, I, I say it was it is incredible sort of turnaround, and uh, you know, I, I'm interested to sort of see what he does tactically. Um, but Gully, I guess, sort of initial reactions and sort of, I guess, sort of, how do you see him shifting this team um, going into next season? Yeah, I think because um, it's a bit of an unknown quantity for us all, I'm quite excited by it because, like we say, I, I think the club's doing quite a lot of um, marketing around like some of the stats that Kim mentioned there. Um, you've seen it on the show, socials already that you know, X number of goals scored. They're really trying to push the product a little bit. And I think that played into his appointment uh, at the end of the day. They knew the football was stodgy mm-hmm. last season and the remit will be to Bruno, make it better. And you know what? I think I think the club will probably accept finishing 13th again, honestly, as long as, you know, we've had a, made a better fist of it in the sense that we're going out to attack teams, you know, we're not losing 4-0 to frigging Burnley, you know, because we, we we haven't got, you know, any kind of, you know, threat, you know, towards their defence and they're, they're okay. they can go and play with a little bit of, you know, attacking abandon among you. You know, that, that we should, like, we should be, you know, putting the fear of God into these kind of teams. So um, that's what I'm looking forward to most. And yeah, I, I, obviously there is the fear of the unknown and uh, on the flip side of that and, and and not having a clue how he's gonna gonna manage he's, he has got quite a a short CV to, to speak of but again I, I think we have to remember that this is the first time you know in our lifetimes that we've outlasted you know Mick McCarthy's spell in the Premier League <laughs> you know we've only just gone like three years um of, of, as being a, an established Premier League team and I think the, the ownership know and they understand that it's going to take a hell of a lot of money to actually make us a top 16. So to just accumulate that Premier League, you know, um, TV money, etc. over the next few seasons, it's not a problem. And if Bruno's only here for 18 months, two years and moves on, but he, he makes it a more exciting product, he gets fans on seats, you know, he does all that and keeps us in the Premier League, you know, competitive, reasonable finishes in the mid to upper table um, parts of the table, I think that's a job, job well done, really. And then we can look to push on from there once, you know, we see all the money flowing in that the club seems to think we need. So, you know, bring it on. Yeah, no, I think I think it, everyone, I think, not not quite moved on from Nuno. That seems, you know, a bit, but, 
you know, I think everyone's sort of accepted that we've got a new guy in charge and it, it, it's going to feel different for a while, but hopefully good different. Um, I, I guess we, we won't go through the whole squad again because we'll, we'll be here all, all evening. But who do we think is going to thrive under, you know, we, we, a lot of people are talking about him being this attack-minded coach, playing potentially a four-four-two because that's what he played at Benfica. And again, we've got very little of a date to go off in terms of that. Um, who do we think in terms of that do we think will do well? And who do we think might struggle? Because I think it seems like a four-four-two would absolutely be something like Adama, Adama's cup of tea on the right-hand side. It's, it's what he craves just to, you know, run up and down the wing all day and even people like Semedo. But do we see primarily, I guess, defenders struggling? Andy, do you, who do you think is going to sort of do well and who might be a bit anxious about a new man being in charge? I think Connor Cody's got to be looking at um, his options, if I'm being perfectly mm. honest. I don't think he's good enough for a back four. I know he's done okay for England, but he hasn't really come up against anyone mega yet. When he's played in the back four this season, he hasn't really he hasn't really set the world alight. He's obviously Nuno's son, so I don't think he'll be happy with having a new guy there anyway. So Cody possibly. I'd be quite happy if we got some good money for him to personally just to let him go. As much as like a nice guy as he is. Can't be sentiment, sentimental, can we? So he's one I think could struggle in this team. Someone I think could step up. I don't say step up, actually, because that's the wrong word to use, but I think Pedro Neto could be an absolute world-beater in this team. This could be like when Ronaldo moved from a winger to a centre-forward. I could see Neto being that second striker to Jimenez, the guy who's going to do all the running, all the work, pick the ball up and run with it. So I think Neto could be um, the main man going forward. Okay. Kim, how about you? Um, I think the fullbacks will hopefully thrive in this new system. Now, it'll be interesting to see how attacking they are um, and how actually, because I don't know, I've never seen really Benfica play last season so I don't know but how large will sort of play Neto and Adama presuming they're both still here because is it fair to say that they are almost like inverted wingers rather than out and out wingers that have large sort of plays rather than so Traore will have to try and sort of adapt because I'm not sure that he's, he's really taken to that sort of role when we sort of tried to almost swap Neto and Adama and you know sort of get them to come inside a little bit more so it'll be interesting to see if Adama's here if he I think he'll either thrive or he'll completely not fit the system and um, it'll be interesting to see yeah I think um uh... I'll even say time will tell. I think we've already talked about Adama in terms of, you know, actually, could he be quite sellable after a good Euros? And I think it might be a good sort of testing of the waters. Actually, if they move, in or move him on, they've got a really easy excuse, same as Nuno had with Jota, that he just won't fit the style of play and we're just parting company. Um, G- Gully, who do you think's going to, I was going to say, yeah, stand out, not might make, mus- uh, you know, cut the muster? Um, I 
I mean, we don't have too much to go off. And I've been doing a little bit of analysis of um, some of the goals that Benfica scored um, in during Lodge's time as manager. And like I say, we don't know he's necessarily going to be playing a 4-4-2 or anything like that. But um, I think I mean, someone we're like Morgan... We're not going to and like, do... Like, just guess no, what players we're no, going to sign. Yeah, look... Uh, guess, well, predict what the, the lineup's going to be on the opening day of the season. Yeah. Because... Yeah, we just don't know, do we? Um, but what we do know is is who is at the club currently. And so on that basis, yeah, Morgan Gibbs White, I think, could be um, a player that finally realises a little bit of his potential. I think we saw some really good stuff from him towards the end of this season, um, all based around him being much closer to his teammates in the final third. And I think large, from what I've seen of his team, his Benfica team, encourages that um, those guys coming on in off the flank with fullbacks bombing on past them have a bit of freedom to roam in and around the 18 yard box making little passes and stuff he's a really good player when he's got you know his teammates close to him and he's able to combine with them and uh, yeah I'm, I'm expecting big things from him next season yeah I feel, I, I'm Again, I think sort of. I do think by and large, a lot of the players could fit. I think the only one who really stands out is Cody, just because he played in such a specialised position. But he's someone who has shown he has got a character and that a drive to hopefully, you know, make himself indispensable again. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to see. Um, last point in terms of large is you know we joke we joked about predicting lineups for next season, but. I guess how much backing do we think he'll get? Because there was rumours before we let Nuno go that it was going to be very much a sell-to-buy situation. Um, do we sort of still see that being the case or do we sort of see a li- things opening up a little bit more transfer-wise, um, Andy? Tough to say, isn't it? Um, obviously, when you bring in a new manager, you want to lure them with a bit of a, a kitty. So whether or not he says we'll give you, I don't know, 30 million plus whatever you can raise, maybe that might be something. But I mean, the one person we haven't mentioned at all this evening, we've obviously got um, Uncle George in our back pocket who can obviously wheel a deal occasionally. So there's always that possibility as well that he can unearth another five million pound Matinho. Yeah, potentially. And we and another person who we haven't mentioned whose name I cannot remember because it's nearly half ten at night and I've already forgot I've only remembered him now. Is we got that marketing manager for outgoing Matt players? Jackson. Yeah. Matt Jackson, mm. yeah. 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 Um, whose role is by the sounds of it to just promote players to sell. So which is actually one of Mendes's roles as a as an agent to be fair so. it's almost like an in-house agent isn't he Matt Which, mm, but it makes yeah. total sense that job yeah. it, honestly and I can't believe nobody's thought of it before to be honest no I think I think you know I was going to say we completely talked about backroom staff and the board and you know what we've probably not done quite right last season but uh, I think strategically that could be a really sound one especially with you know Jeff Shee being the most overworked man in football doing seven jobs Um uh, what was I on? So, Kim, do you think that it's going to be very much a sell to buy? Um, you know, a few players have been noted away, likes of Neves, um, predominantly, and you know, Troy consistently, you know, he's not quite signed that new contract yet. Do you think, you know, do you think he's going to have that war chest? Um, I think there's, 
I think there's going to be a couple of big um, players that we sell okay. now. Okay. I don't. I've probably covered who they could potentially be, and I don't really know who they are. Um, I can't say for definite one that will go, but I think we that is the sort of strategy. We'll we'll try and sell a couple of big players and the players that are out on loan that are, are sort of raising their mm. stock. So, you know, like Ruben, Vanagre, Rafa potentially. If we could get, with all those sorts of players out on loan, if we could get a combined, I don't know, 30 million, plus one or, <laughs> selling one or two of our key assets, maybe a Dendonka plus a, a Dharma, all of a sudden you've got sort of 80, 90 million at least to spend. So you'd hope that they'd put, you know, 20 to 30 million back in as well. Um, I can see wholesale changing. I can see quite a lot going out, but quite a lot of players coming in. Okay, okay. Right, last question of the pod. I'm going to give it to you, Gully. Um, And I know I've said we're not going to predict lineups next season or anything like that. One player you'd realistically, who you think could sign for Wolves or you'd like to see that down one next season under an attack-minded coach, you know, who'd, who'd you be thinking? In, in terms of bringing into the club from, from elsewhere? Yeah. Um, I've, I've extolled the virtues of um, Adam Ola Luckman, um a lot last yeah. season. Um I'm I'm quite torn between him and possibly uh, Tosin Adrabayo as well because yeah. I just think there's a few players at Fulham who were excellent yeah individually without being part of a good team um and would add pace at the back of the pitch and the front of the pitch and a little bit of um you know exuberance that we're probably missing as well I think we have got a little bit stale um so someone like Luckman can play across the pitch uh, yeah. at the top end and um, you know, looks looked a really dangerous player at times last season. Um, I've completely forgotten his name. Anderson as well, who I believe. Yoki Anderson, low. yeah. Yeah, he, yeah, Whenever I sort of saw him, I thought, you know, especially in a back four, just I, I know I, my whenever I've seen sort of quite a lot of predicted teams, and you know, it's got half a new players in. I guess it still kind of stands a testament that I think what we were saying halfway through the season that we need half a new first team going into next year yeah um and you know we as we alluded to uh, can't quite afford to get rid of a lot of key assets but we, it's going to be interesting to see how some of those players who have been there for yeah. the four years fit going forwards isn't it yeah and and don't forget as well you know bruno Lage's is his big masterstroke when he was at benfica was promoting joao felix into the first team you know that was the real key for him so I wouldn't be surprised if he unearthed some kind of gem that we haven't necessarily heard too much about, whether it's, I don't know, Theo Corbiani or someone like that, you know, who he, who he sees as, 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 as forming part of the, the first team lineup. They definitely see his involvement in the youth aspects of the game as, as a big, big part of him taking this job. No, definitely. I think it's all going to be really fun and interesting to see. And, you know, we will endeavour um, at the fan cast to talk about 
I guess any comings and goings that do happen um, over the next, well, two months before the season starts. But um, I was going to say um, that pretty much wraps up today's pod. Uh, appreciate it. it's been a really long one, guys. So thanks for sticking with and listening to it. Um, podcast wise, we might, I wouldn't say we're taking a break, but obviously, as you can imagine, there's not a lot of Wolves action. So we might do some pods over at Euros. We might do some of our um, additional ones from, you know, film clubs to um, mental health ones, that, you know, if and when we get the time. But also I think we've racked up, I think, 82 podcasts so far this season. So I think we might have earned a bit of a break as well. Um, big thank you for everyone who's listened uh, to the show this season. It's been a funny old year. Um um, thanks for sticking with us. Um, big thanks to our sponsors, Pixel Yeti Media. Go check them out for any of your website needs. Um, as I mentioned, we're part of a 90 min football um, family, football network. Um, great to be, again, associated with other like-minded podcasts. Make sure you check out Wolves Fancast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Wolves Fancast for your lols and trolls. And again, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel as well because, again, we're still knocking content out on there completely free of charge. And, you know, people seem to enjoy it, so you might do too. Um, Andy? Sorry, Rich, you completely broke up then, mate. I missed half of the last sentence then. Ah, <laughs> oh, I was going to say. Uh, I, was, I was going to say it's goodbye. Oh Monday. yeah, uh, have a good pre-season. If you've got any need to hear my voice, come and check us out on Cage Fighting as well. If you just want to talk about films, have a good one. It's goodbye from Kim. Goodbye. Come on, England. And it's goodbye from Gully. Yeah, I'm. I'm doing the hard yards and, and watching all 130 goals that. Um, Benfica scored on, under Bruno to see what I can come up with for GTA. So um, wish me luck on that. And uh, yeah, Bruno had a dream, as they say. Yeah, fantastic, guys. Uh, stay safe, everyone, and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to part one of our end of season podcast. Um, make sure you check out part two coming out tomorrow, um, where we'll talk about Nuno, about um, the board and backroom staff at Wolves and about our new manager Bruno look forward to catching up with you all soon get ahead of postage rate increases this year with stamps.com it's like your own personal post office sign up with promo code program for a four week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale no long term commitments or contracts that's stamps.com code program